Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Digital Switch. Today's going to be a little different because I don't have my awesome co-host Naveed, but he's going to join us in the next episode. And by the way, he totally told me to say he's awesome. Nonetheless, we have some really exciting topics to discuss. Now, in the last episode, we announced the launch of our product, Cuneiform for CRM, a business data quality application that's now available on the Salesforce App Exchange. And with that, we really dove into data quality with respect to the challenges that CRM stakeholders face and how our product can really help solve them. We also briefly touched upon the concept of fit-for-purpose data, which is actually what we're going to be focusing on today. So to talk more about that, this leads me to reintroduce our guest, Mehmet Arun, who is the Senior VP of Product here at Piernova. Mehmet, thank you so much for joining us again. It is my pleasure. So let's dive right in. Last time, as I said, we summarized fit-for-purpose data as business data that helps achieve certain initiatives and goals within an organization. So can you go ahead and elaborate on this and really start from maybe very top level and break it down from there? So the easiest way to explain fit-for-purpose may be an analogy. And I was thinking about what I would use until I saw you on camera, our audience cannot see it, and noticed the difference in our clothing, even though we both live in San Francisco Bay Area. It is the middle of July in San Francisco, which means I'm wearing a sweater with two layers and a cup of tea. And I'm guessing being in San Jose, you are not having to dress up as warmly. The idea of a fit for purpose is not generalizing that one set of criteria is going to meet the entire need, whether we are talking about a CRM object, a report, but recognizing depending on where we are, depending on what our objective is, we are going to need to set a criteria and assess our readiness for that criteria distinctly. If I'm going to a 1920s cocktail hour this evening, which is also happening in San Francisco, I would put on a 1920s outfit, probably still layer up, but you know, that's what I mean. Like, let's be clear on what are we doing? Why are we doing? And are we ready to do it? That's great. And I think that with this broader definition you've provided, can you also give our audience some specific examples of this type of fit for purpose data, say in the business sense of sales, marketing, product, et cetera? Uh, I would be glad to. And I honestly think this may be one of the more useful parts of this particular session, because I want to talk about different examples using common different Salesforce CRM objects and really go through a typical engagement cycle. If I'm a prospect interested in a company's products and services for the first time, the first thing I would likely do is provide a sort of contact information and opt-in to receive marketing communications. So the idea of assessing whether I have leads that are fit for purpose for marketing communication is about having enough information about them, a contact point and opt-in because many countries, many states require explicit opt-in for marketing communications these days. As the process goes forward, Let's say if we want to personalize our marketing communication with that person. Well, just having a name and email address isn't sufficient, right? We would want to know what industry they are in, perhaps what geography they are in, what size company they work for. And the more insights we have, the more we can gauge how much we could personalize it. 
we can take this a step further. Let's say that marketing communication worked well, and now we want to do a lead conversion. Well, to do a lead conversion, I need to know the company name because I'm going to create an account. So depending on the nature of the business, I would want to assess my lead data with different set of business rules and know how many leads do I have? Can I reach out to in general? How many leads can I do personalized communications as part of my lead nurturing? How many of these leads I might have nurtured enough, know enough to be able to convert and then start pursuing an opportunity? Any questions on the marketing side before we get perhaps to sales and service? No, I think being on the marketing team here at Piranova, your lead example really resonated with me when it comes to nurturing and communication. So no, that's great. Keep going. So let's take the process one step further then. Now we are in a sales cycle. We have an account, we have a contact, we have an opportunity. The three primary objects. As it goes further through the cycle, we may have a contract, we may have one or more quotes, but at this level when we have the account, depending on where we are in the opportunity cycle, we would also want to have certain levels of details. Typically, you can't really close an opportunity and someone send someone a contract if we don't have a billing address. But if it is earlier in the opportunity cycle, it may not be as significant. So one of the ways you can assess if your opportunity is ready to close is by assessing whether you have the most commonly needed fields on your account object for the opportunities to close and win. Another criteria you may want to look at is what is the data that has historically been gathered in, on the opportunity object for the opportunity to close? Maybe there are other details. Maybe there are things that you're only learning by interrogating the data in your own environment to realize certain pieces of detail truly matter to your business. Maybe you created custom fields. Maybe you have a certain set of pick list values. A third level of detail maybe. It's not just about whether a field is filled or not, but whether you are capturing a level of detail in that field. An example we talk to our customers about is the importance of monitoring what percentage of the records where a field has a default value, the value is the default value. I have seen cases 95 plus percent of the time, the value is the default value only, which means it's almost meaningless, that people are not really taking the time to choose something that is more precise. So it warrants whether the information is in fact good enough to use or necessary to use. So these are just some examples in the you know, account opportunity stage. You know, touching upon contact, we often want to know who are the influential contacts, who's the decision maker, who is consulted. Maybe they can veto something, but they really can't buy, they don't have the budget. Uh, we want to know who is an advocate and who may be an opponent or who may create friction. And especially for companies that have long-held relationships in the same customer base, you know, people tend to change companies. So if you have a contact record with a title and an email address for that company, great. Now maybe you should consider having a social handle like a LinkedIn profile. So when a person moves from one company to the other, you're not just looking at a business contact, but you're looking at the individual with multiple business contact relationships. 
these are all different areas we can dive into. And I hope you know for you and our audience, it is becoming obvious that I'm not talking about anything technical. These are all business expectations that needs to then be turned into assessment criteria where you can see how your data actually looks and then have the ability to assess where it matters that you may have some gaps. That Any is questions great. on sales? No, 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 no. Keep going if you have more examples. <laughs> well, then let's you know round it up with some service examples. Then we can always get into industries. Uh, if I get a customer support case, the number one goal I have is to help with whatever question has risen. As a human being, we can operate on very little data, especially if I'm talking to someone on the phone. I may not capture a lot of the information just to answer the question. Because ultimately, one of the challenges customer service agents have is the amount of call volume that may be coming in, and they are trying to be efficient in the way they are responding, keeping the CSETs up. Well, if it's not about answering something on the phone, however, because these can also be cost of processes, and we are trying to use automation and AI as much as possible to both support the customer service specialists and customers themselves with finding potentially the right answers, well, that requires a different level of detail on the case. If I want to take a request, maybe send it to a chatbot and find out if we can help the customer, I probably need to know more about the customer, customer's product or service purchase history, where they may be in their current experience, and given those scenarios, how much available material there may be in a knowledge base to respond to them. These are all different types of assessments that one can think of. And my belief is anything you are able to do repeatedly can be automated. So if you're always looking for answers, maybe we can find a way to assess what is the depth of answers, what are the readiness of answers, how can we help people do their job better so they can save time, have more pleasant encounters, and overall, you know, live a better life, whether they're a customer, uh, customer service associate, a manager, or the architect configuring all of these things, or a CRM admin. I love that. This was really helpful to hear these specific examples of this overarching concept. Now, our product is in the Salesforce App Exchange. So let's shift and really speak to Salesforce customers. Why is fit for purpose data so critical for them and their CRM? One of the things I love about the Salesforce CRM stack, and I've been using it or implementing it or supporting it for 18 plus years, and the company is 25 years old. So lot of experience if you think about it is how extensible it is so if you're a large enterprise you're going to have companies of different sizes you're going to have small businesses medium businesses large enterprises global enterprises you probably have multiple product lines you may have products you may have services you may have you know maybe education packages and each of these are going to have different set of content expectations, which means different set of data quality expectations in order to, you know, market them, sell them, service them effectively. The two typical implementation patterns in the Salesforce ecosystem is you can either have a single Salesforce CRM instance 
with multiple record types or multiple pick list values where all of these can coexist. The security model is incredibly rich and powerful. Or you may have multiple Salesforce CRM orgs and instances used by different business units. Either way, at the end of the day, you're interacting with the same customer. They may have different lines of products. And it is incredibly important to know where your data is inconsistent, where you have missing data. By understanding completeness and inconsistencies, you can infer if you have even missing records or you may have incorrect records. Uh, there is a value you can get by paying attention to the patterns in general. And uh, if we set these levels of details aside, look, if you don't know that you have the right data, you don't know that you're getting the value out of your marketing sales service investments and it is going to cost you more money and you're probably going to leave revenue on the table. So when a Salesforce customer is ready to determine if their data is in fact fit for purpose, how would they normally approach this? And are there certain challenges or limitations that they come across? So I have met with many customers in many functions over the years and I guess I can categorize this in three big buckets. The few word answer, difficultly, only when there is a recognized problem, or frankly, we don't. Those are the three buckets. And uh, what typically happens is, uh, you know, the something goes wrong is the typical way of getting into this. People are trying to find out why something went wrong, what went wrong, what are the inconsistencies and they really do a one-time surgical effort, uh, oftentimes creating custom reports, custom formula fields, seeking to correlate it. And uh, depending on what kind of tooling they have, they may need to pull data out into spreadsheets, you know, analyze the profile, the patterns differently. And uh, the exercise needing to be done custom every single time is one of the reasons I personally believe such habits have not become institutionalized. Now, there are other functions. Sales operations is a great example of this, that you know, periodically, typically every fiscal year, you're going to get ready to realign your teams. You may have a different way of looking at your segments. You're going to want to look at what your historical data was versus what it is. And um, based on what I know, these tend to take you know, several weeks worth of analysis exercises to see what's happening, what's not happening. Uh, a lot of back and forth between you know, sandboxes or again, spreadsheets. We don't seem to be able to get away from them since the 80s, ironically. And um, it is not a easy effort. There is fairly, fairly heavy lift with lots of people involved. If, by the way, you are listening and you're able to do this seamlessly, easily, reach out because I really want to know what you're doing and maybe we can, you know, feed off of each other. No, that's great. Yeah, one of the main problems that I think I've kind of discovered and read about is that people are, like you mentioned, often correcting data or checking if it's fit for their initiatives retroactive, retroactively or, like you said, as a one-off effort, not necessarily proactively, which is really critical for um, your CRM's health and your business initiatives and everything. So now that we've discussed the importance, let's dive into action and what someone can do to really kickstart this process. And I think as a recap, it would be great if you can help us kind of 
remind everyone what is cuneiform for CRM and what makes it different when it comes to helping ensure data is always fit for purpose? So I'm going to ask you to repeat the question because you said something right before that I want to pause on and then we can, uh, you know, continue forward. Uh, you mentioned proactive versus reactive. Mm -hmm. Now, the reality is every time we are assessing data quality, it is, you know, looking at historical data. We cannot predict data that has not been entered yet. However, one of the key challenges that I observe over and over again is, you know, you decide to build a report. And if you don't look at whether you have the right data or not, the report may not meet the needs. Okay, simple example, it happens over and over again. But then maybe you're really motivated. You want to do right. You create a new validation rule. You want to stop bad data from coming in. Or you create a pick list so people stop entering their version of the information into a string field. You're supposed to be able to standardize value this way. Intentions are great. A common step that often gets missed is what about my historical data? Because just putting in controls going forward acts on less than 5% of the information in typically a multi-month span. Most of your data that you're still trying to build workflows on, build reports on, feed into you know, the Einstein AI algorithms are still existing data sitting in your database. So it is incredibly important when you're putting in place preventative measures to maintain your data, that you also look at your historical data and in fact, learn from your historical data patterns. So whatever you configure ends up being more impactful and well validated. That's a great point. Yeah, thank you so much for elaborating on that. So let's get back to cuneiform for CRM. What is it and what makes it different uh, when it comes to fit for purpose data? I mean, the way I socially talk about this is, this is the app I wish I had five, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, we built it 100% on the Salesforce platform using the latest Salesforce security data analysis you know, data visualization capabilities in order to deliver a solution that really uses the same patterns at the end of the day that I want to choose where my data is. It's going to be an object. I want to define my criteria to identify the data that matters. Am I talking about customers, partners, suppliers, right? These are all things that may be in your account object. Uh, Am I looking at enterprise customers? Am I looking at global customers? Am I looking at mid-market customers for what product line? This is your typical field criteria for your workflows. But then let's understand what the data looks like today. Let's have the baseline. Once we know what it looks like today, let's see where the data patterns themselves show us interesting things on what is happening frequently and what's happening rarely. Instead of looking at the middle, much of the value comes when you look at the edges of your data distribution. Once we understand what happens most of the time and what happens a little of the time, let's then tie that to business KPIs. You know, in the case of opportunities, one of the things I love to look at is instead of having lots of hypothetical conversations, what data matters to win an opportunity, let's just look at opportunities we won in the last like year and a half. And let's identify the data we consistently seem to capture. And let's compare that to opportunities we lost and opportunities in flight. And the way we look at 
uh, if we have any opportunities at risk, which may be a timing delay or it may be a revenue loss opportunity altogether, are the open opportunities that do not have the characteristics of the one ones that consistently seems to show up in the lost ones. We can then tie that to the business KPIs, time to close and total opportunity amount. And now we have a fit for purpose metric. We can analyze our data today to make sure that the sales reps who are motivated to close the deal now know which fields and which field value granularity matters. And we are showing them if you don't do this, you're more likely to lose it than not. And as we do this once, because we want it to be a sustainable solution, then we want to monitor it on an ongoing basis. So we can see if things are truly improving, you know, if we start seeing the amount of closed opportunities increase and you know, closed lost opportunities decrease based on these data criteria, that is proof that uh, certain data reliability matters. And it becomes you know, part of the DNA after you repeat it a few times. Uh, so I get into the implementation side of this because ultimately people do this to drive business value, right? We want to make money, we want to reduce costs, we want to stay compliant, the only three reasons. Uh, so can you form for CRM is an application that delivers these key capabilities within the CRM org faster than any other alternative in a secure way without modifying any of the fundamental data? to aid CRM admins, business leaders, and implementation teams, assess existing data quality, detect patterns, identify the type of actions they need to take so they can monitor for and ensure data reliability in general. And the best way to honestly learn from this is to go to App Exchange. It is a free app. Admin edition is always free. And then pick a business scenario that matters to them. Install it in the production sandbox where real data lives, but in a more safe and secure way, and then see what their data shows, what's the story that they're going to see. If they're in the minority and they think their data is great, awesome, let's get them on the podcast and let's have them tell the story of how they manage their data. But if they're in that 90% plus mark of customers that have distinct data quality challenges they don't know about and they can't easily quantify, this is the best way, the fastest way for them to get started. Um, in the best case scenarios, we are seeing customers detect patterns they didn't know about in less than a day. That includes the installation and setup time, by the way. Because this is a product that can analyze 10 million records in 15 minutes. That is a multi-factor improvement than what was there previously. So those time savings can then go to improved awareness and time spent building, delivering value instead of waiting for a job to be done or creating lots of custom reports. So based on what you just told us, the app is free and you gave us all these amazing reasons of why someone should jump in and try out our application. But if someone's ready to install it, but they're thinking that, you know, it might be daunting to use and implement another application because of learning, you know, what might be complex in and outs, what makes our solution easier to use than others? So if they're saying, I don't have time to implement this because I have other things, I would be curious and say, how do you analyze your existing data today to make sure you're doing the right configurations or you're validating your solution quickly because all of the time people are spending creating custom reports, custom SOCL, you know, additional forms are things that actually could be 
automated through the 100% configuration nature of cuneiform for theorem. And then when they say, well, but I have other things, I don't want to install yet another one, I would bring it back to value. Are you able to choose any objects, set any criteria, and then monitor its data patterns over time with a 30-minute installation and setup effort where, again, each of the data assessments is going to take on average one to 15 minutes as opposed to what I've done this a lot of times in my career. It typically takes hours just for the jobs to run the way things have done happened historically. So if I'm spending an hour per scenario building, verifying reports, making sure everything's going to line up, and then I'm waiting for you know my bad jobs to run or my data profiling uh, uh, jobs to run, that's time I'm not spending focusing on the immediate needs of my business. So, you know, as you know, my colleague, our colleague Abraham says, you know, we'll take that Pepsi challenge anytime. And for those of you that do not know what a Pepsi challenge is, you can do what I did, which is to look it up online. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know exactly what that challenge is. Um, so if anyone's ready to try this out, how do they get started beyond going to the App Exchange? Are there any pieces of advice you have? No, honestly, go to App Exchange. You can look up data quality, see what else exists, and hopefully our message resonates. It does rank highly in search results. You can look for cuneiform for CRM directly, of course. Uh, we have provided links to our documentation, including our trust documentation, which explicitly states Data never leaves your org. We do not modify your data. We respect all security controls, which are all characteristics you should want in any solution in data quality space anyway. And if you need additional information, you want to chat with us, just reach out. We look forward to helping you take better advantage of your data to drive better business outcomes. That is a great moral of the story or moral of this podcast episode. So thank you so much for joining us, Mehmet. This was super insightful and impactful, like it always is when you're on. I know that we're gonna continue the conversation in future episodes, but thank you again for joining us. Thank you, take care, live long and prosper. As always, thanks for listening to Digital Switch. You can find us, subscribe to us, and share us on digitalswitch.show, YouTube, or your favorite podcast streaming service. You can also stay up to date on podcast episodes, blog posts, videos, and all things Piernova at piernova.com and at Piernova Inc. on Twitter. Have a great week, everyone.